I'm Isaac Bluefoot. I'm Trisha Real, also known as Trish the Dish. And you're listening to Salty Astrology. Which you might need to take with a grain of salt. At least a grain. <laughs> I'm talking spoonfuls, right? I think so. <laughs> I, I want to really focus in on going from quarter moon to quarter moon. Okay. Because I think that to get a good picture of how astrology feels, which I'm not even a big prescriber of even bothering to predict anything about astrology. <laughs> well, it's hard to know. Yeah, what's yeah. What's really going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know the vibes, but it's all very broad. And I think that like there's no predictions that astrology can tell you because I think we've talked about before that if a rich person and a poor person are born at the same hospital at the same time, they're going to have still very different lives. Yeah, nature, know? nurture. Yeah, you know? nature, yeah. nurture, and astrology. Yeah. And karma. But I don't even know how any of that works in. Totally. Although I must say, before the pandemic happened, I was meeting with a bunch of juggler freaks. We were discussing when we should have, you know, some pre-event to help with the juggling festival to sort of, you know, do a fundraiser. And everybody was like, how about March 14th? And I was in the meeting. I was like, well, I have something going on that day, but also I don't know what's going to happen, but the shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> How did you know? Uh, it's just because uh, there is this, you know, the big Saturn-Pluto conjunction and there's a lot of super duper intense aspects going on. And so they were like, oh, hold on a second, because Saturn and Pluto are moving so slowly, they don't really conjunct that often. Exactly, because Pluto has an orbit of 248 years and Saturn's about 29 years. And so, you know, it just, it takes a while for them to come together and for them to come together in Saturn's home sign of Capricorn, which, you know, is also unusual. I don't even know. I think, you know, that was like early 1500s, you know, last time it happened or something. So. Well, did you think something big happened in the early 1500s that was notable the last time that made you think this time would probably be not a good date for juggling? Uh, well, it was just an intensity of political structure stuff. There is a whole like we can look it up, you know, like what was actually happening, uh, which is often what I'll do is be like, if there's this really intense aspect, I'll see when was the last time something like that happened. When was this? Last year or this year? This was in 2020. 2020. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was, it was interesting to be like in a room of people and just say, I don't know. And then they just, because they know I've been an astrologer for a really long time, they're like, hmm, okay, what's another date? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of cool because, I mean, there's only the only things I've actually really observed that are appear to be true on the regular are like, say you want to start something new mm -hmm. and you do it on a waning moon and you plan a meeting and everybody is going to be slugging it and tired, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so or like, you know, they'll say they'll put more emergency employees on and hospitals and other things during a full moon because they know that more wild things happen, you know? Yeah. So those are things that, you know, normal people observe. But uh, when it comes to like these bigger, larger cycles, sometimes, you know, certain things we don't even really have any statistical data to be able to back any of our theories up with because certain planets weren't even discovered until fairly recently, like Pluto. Then it got demoted as a dwarf planet and, you know. <laughs> I think that like the status of Pluto doesn't really affect the astrology of Pluto. Yeah. 
Like there's this thing, I remember years ago, there was the moment when there was like, oh, there's actually 13 signs. So the astrologers are all wrong yeah, and you gotta yeah. change your astrology. And I'm already a salty about astrology, but I was salty about the anti-astrology there because well, I was like, at the time I was like, well, come on. The thing that we think the signs are is based off of observation. This is an observational science. It is definitely a lot of intuitive. Yeah. But well, I'll just say this, that many sciences are more intuitive than they think. And you know, when we talk about the whole 13 signs thing, I mean, what we're looking at with Western astrology is a Western-based system. Like if we were doing a Vedic system, they have nakshastras. They're different. There's 27 different nakshastras and they're based in 13 degrees and 20 minute segments. But then they're also culturally based because it's all based on Hindu mythology and other myths that are more, more relevant to that culture. And they're also doing sidereal astrology where we're doing a tropically based system. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird because people are like, well, the connect the dots up in the sky have changed over time. And that's true. And so the Vedic system is going with the old, like where the connect the dots really are. But what we're doing is we're adjusting for the fact that the connect the dots, which meaning the stars have changed over time. And that's because the sun's ecliptic shifts one degree every 72 years, right? Right. And so oh. a long time ago, when we would say the sun was in Aries at the spring equinox, it was true. But now it's actually at five degrees Pisces, but we call it Aries because it's the season of Aries. It's a new season. And oh. so it's maddening to the scientific mind because we call it something that it isn't actually. So here's the thing. <laughs> this is where I become very salty about astrology. Yeah. Okay. Because in my mind, the idea that you're born in the spring and there are aspects of springtime that are just inherent. Yeah. That are attributed to Aries. Yeah. And then the mid spring attributed to Taurus and so forth and yeah. the Gemini. Apparently. And so the idea would be then that if you were on the Southern hemisphere, uh -huh. if you're born in the spring there, we would think it was the fall here calling you a Libra, but aren't you more really an Aries? You know, it's, it is, uh, <laughs> it's another, another part of the system, which is a little bit askew and it's partly like who writes history. So, you know? <laughs> but, but, then, but then I rationalize it as being like, isn't there something about Aries and Libra being like two sides of the same coin? In a way, yeah. They That's have so, so much that are different and same. Yeah, they're both cardinal signs. They both begin one of the seasons. And so, yeah. And then I wonder what about the equatorial yeah. babies? Like maybe that's why you have to use a different astrology, like Vedic astrology. Well, just, so to speak. I mean, I don't know about that, but. I'm just throwing out a like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know because it's so frustrating because there's just too many little rocks floating around in space. <laughs> yeah. And but you know, we can definitely observe there are certain cycles and however it looks from the Earth's perspective oh, is, I, yeah, I is what the charts are. They're geocentric models or Earth-centered models. So the chart basically is a map of the sky from wherever you were born. Yeah. So if you're born in the northern latitudes, you're, it's going to look like that. You're going to see like the houses are really small in, the, in certain areas and they're really giant in the upper and southern part of the chart. So it would be much more balanced looking from an equatorial perspective. Uh-huh. Um, really you're saying that would change for the equatorial perspective, but not the other things. It doesn't change on the seasonal interpretations of the tropical zodiac and the archetypes. The archetypes still remain the same. And yet, like you say, it's a little bit northern hemisphere centric. 
It, it certainly is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although nonetheless, regardless, one of the things I like to imagine is that because we have this wheel and everything below the horizon from the first house through the sixth house is literally things that are below the horizon at the time of your birth. Yes. And it seems fascinating to me that somehow when the mass of the earth itself gets in between us and these planets, they make those planets somehow apply to our inner aspects of ourselves. Right, yeah. Just by being the below the horizon planets. And so therefore, no matter where you're on the equator or southern or northern hemisphere, you're still going to get that effect of the houses from the rising and setting of the sun and the, yeah. and the planets and the celestial bodies and whatnot. And of course, the houses are a human-made system too. So, yeah. You know, you know, it's, a, it's, an, <laughs> it's an annoyingly ironic thing that they have any relativity to us at all. Right. And yet, like, say we have an eclipse somewhere, we have a solar or lunar eclipse. Say we can't see it here in Northern California, but they can see it someplace else. In the way that we interpret it in astrology is it's still an eclipse, <laughs> right? It's, if it's a solar whether eclipse, you see it's it or still not. just a new moon, whether you see it or not, right? Yeah. That's the reality is it's just a very precise new moon yeah. that tells everybody that's not reading astrology, don't forget there's planets up here. There's things <laughs> up here. Like it's a day that everyone's like, oh my God, the sky got dark. Oh, is there's, there's a bigger thing happening in the cycles of the planets. And the astrologers are like, yeah, yeah, we told you this was coming. We tell you what happens every month. They're like, no, this doesn't happen every month. No, the eclipses don't happen every month. No, but the new moon does. Yes, new moon happens every month and the full moon happens every month. And that's what we were going to start talking about. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. So the new moon's coming up on the, what's the date of the new uh, moon? November 13th. November 13th. 1.27 a.m. in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, so November 13th. So that's early in the wee hours of the morning. So, you know, some people, if you're born maybe in Europe, you might, you know, well, get it on the 20th. Let's not worry about so, where and when the hours the because it's going to happen for everyone. Yeah, twelve thirteenth. let's just say 12th. Yeah, yeah, so, but the 12th, 13th. Of November. The, the moon will be new in, the, in what sign? Because it's going to be the same sign as the sun. Yes, they're, so, they're right next to each other. So Scorpio. Okay, so they're in Scorpio. Yep. So for just base establishment, wherever anyone has Scorpio in their particular chart of the wheel, is what's going to be newing up? It will be activated for them in that area for sure, yeah. And there's, you know, some people don't know some basics. So, well, you know, there's four elements, fire, earth, air, and water. Mm -hmm. Scorpio is a water sign, which func functions from the emotional side of things. It's a bit of the extremist. It could be. It's the extremist of the... 12. It's extra depth because it's, at least in the northern hemisphere, it's when we have the fall. And that means that the leaves are falling from the trees and that there's composting is happening. And there's a lot of death of things like your potatoes start, you know, dying up top, but that's because the roots are ready down below. And yeah. so these kinds of things. And so it is a regenerative time because this is when the soil gets to regenerate and that's part of the Scorpio archetype. It's the Halloween vibe, let's just say it, it like that. It is also that, yeah, we got a lot of Halloween vibes going on, a lot of like, you know, connection to the other worlds in some sort of deep way, death, you know, mm -hmm. there's definitely been some death of many of the like master teachers or performers that I have connected with even mm. just, just this past week. So oh, the veils are thin and they're getting thinner. One of the things I feel about like Dia de los Muertos uh -huh. and that we have the idea of celebrating a party where we 
recognize our elders who have passed yeah and we have a celebration of it is the reality is many of our elders won't make it to the end of winter and mm -hmm. so that's why we celebrate death right as the autumn is kicking off uh, before before as many of them as possible could go so they can yeah. see that when they go we'll be partying with them yeah. in the future and they know it they'll die knowing yeah i went to that party just recently yeah yeah Yeah, and yeah. then there's other, there are three different qualities. They're called cardinal, fixed, and mutable. So the cardinal signs are the beginning of each one of the seasons. So they initiate a new season. So then there's the fixed signs. This is the sun going through the, these signs that hold down the fort of that season, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. And then there's the mutable signs, which are the changes between one season and the next. So that's more adaptable, a lot of variation going on and hence scorpio is the fixed water sign exactly and kind of represents those still deep waters yes that don't have as much movement as other waters yes sometimes although, a bog if we, yeah <laughs> but if we look at this particular new moon chart we see that the not only are the sun and moon conjunct but the sun and the moon are conjunct in Scorpio with Mars in Scorpio. So it's extra potent and a lot of passions, a lot of depth, and uh, you know, it's not messing around. I think it's, it's something we should know that Mars, before we knew Pluto existed, uh -huh. was attributed the powers of Scorpio. It's the traditional ruling yeah, planet of Scorpio. It's really yeah. hilarious to me that when we discovered an outer planet, we're like, oh no, wait, 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 Mars. No, you're not so Scorpio after all. Wait, we're giving that up. I still think, no, Mars still gets some Scorpio status. It's very Scorpio vibe. Very Scorpio, yes. Yeah, sometimes Scorpio just expresses it by like being goth. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Although it's a very Scorpio rising thing to do. But I'm a Scorpio rising, and so I don't think that I'm very goth in the slightest. I don't wear much black. But I will say, I only have the last eight degrees in Scorpio. Uh-huh. Yeah, and some people don't really know what degrees are either. So there's 30 degrees of arc in each sign, and they all have a different sub-rulership, or they're called decanates or decans, which means area, comes from the root yeah. word area. So the first 10 degrees of a sign has a different sub-rulership than the second 10 degrees and, uh, and of course, different than the third and so forth, 10 degrees. And so, forth. so, but there's a system about that. And then to respond to your, uh, we just discovered a new planet and randomly put it somewhere. The idea is that the ancients knew that there were other, or imagined that there were other planets that existed beyond the ones that they could see, which is basically they could only see up until Saturn. And when they did discover the other ones, they're at a higher vibration of the uh, planets that we can see. And there's a, there's a little, you can do a little S curve and you can see there's a logic. One day I'll show it to you. Maybe we'll put a visual up for people to see what this logical S curve looks like. And then, you know, so it's not actually 100% random that they chose Pluto as the modern ruler of Scorpio. Oh, I don't think it's random. I think there's definitely the intuition part has to kick into these parts. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, anybody who hasn't looked into it would be like, well, then they just kind of randomly put this planet there. <laughs> there yeah. was actually somebody thought about it. Although it's interesting, though, because we still, Pluto being such a distant out planet is moving so slowly that we only, by representing Pluto and Scorpio together, we only get one aspect of Scorpio's extremes through Pluto. Yeah. And therefore, again, though Mars is an Aries planet, it's also still Scorpio's planet. Yeah. Because it ex represents those inner extremes that do change quicker. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be a, a one, two, three, having the moon, the sun. 
and, and Mars. Mars all lined up together. What degree is this going to happen? Um, well, it's going to be 20 and 22 degrees. Mars is at 22. Oh, dang! And the sun and moon at 20, so pretty potent. Full disclosure. Yeah. That's on my ascendant. Okay, so you're going to get So gonna, I'll, I'll probably feel it. that. Yeah, I bet you will. Oh, but a lot of times you shoot. get a Mars transit. That's frightening. Like if you get a Mars transit to your ascendant, it will give you extra energy, a lot of physical energy, or, you know, bring in uh, something of a warrior nature yeah, that yeah. relates to that vibe. It's gonna be the fire's gonna have to burn on that one. Yeah. This, <laughs> but, is, this is gonna happen on the 12th or 13th. Yeah, and then the okay. thing is, is that not only do we have those three planets conjuncting on the new moon, but Uranus is exactly opposite that whole conglomeration because Uranus is at oh. 21 degrees of Taurus. And then Uranus, the archetype for Uranus is that it's is known as the unpredictable planet. And partly I think of it as the table tosser. It could be a it's table tosser. It's the one that's like, yeah. okay, throw the table over. We're changing things around here. Yeah. And some of this comes from, no, I don't know if they knew this early on, but now that we have modern telescopes and et cetera, you can see when you look way out there, not that I've done it personally, but I have I have read about it, where the axis of Uranus is as a little strange. It's not just, you know, tilted a little like most of the planets, but it's actually on its side. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like going through space like... It's the weirdo it's of the weirdo. pack. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It's weirdo. the gonzo yeah. of this Muppet troop. Yeah, it's the bohemian. It's the, you know, who knows? It's the unexpected. So the whole thing with this new moon is to expect the unexpected. We're going to get some novel ideas. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yet, you know, there's a lot of really positive things besides this, like expect the unexpected, volatile possibilities, yada, yada. Um, but there's some nice harmonies going on in the early part of November also. because so we've got Neptune, uh, the god of the sea and also the planet of compassion and understanding traveling it's through it's the feely wooey one it's yes yeah, absolutely feely wooey <laughs> and it's in pisces it's home sign and uh it is making a trine to the new moon mars conjunction in scorpio because they're water and water neptune's is going to be in its native sign for a long time because that thing's moving at a real slow pace yeah, right this is the generally this is a generational... Right. It stays in a sign between 11 and 13 years, and we've it's been in there for about nine-ish, I think. Okay. I have to take a look. So we've got a few more years of Neptune going through Pisces left. Hmm. Um, it's kind of like the dustpan of the Zodiac. Sometimes the when the planets transition from one sign to another, they go back and forth between the signs just a bit because... The, of apparent retrograde motion because well, being in a sign is only an apparent thing to us like the whole idea of retrograde <laughs> all of this stuff is that's why it's so stupid that astrology is real it shouldn't be real well the thing is is yes of course like retrograde the planets aren't really going backwards it's just an optical illusion from our perspective it's like two cars driving forward on a highway and one of them speeds up so the other one's looks like they're going backwards temporarily. But the bigger planets, they do tend to go into retrograde motion. Um, usually in our late spring and summer months, most years for a period of time, uh, it's just because their orbits are so much bigger and we're going faster. Yeah, so, of course. So there's definitely some like dream action going on here. I think that there was something the amazing Rick Levine said about November and it He's an astrologer 
So it's a, the dance between imagination and form. And that is what November looks like, according to Rick Levine. And it's, you know, kind of what's the big idea anyway? What's the dream? You know, where can we imagine what we might want for our future? In Taurus, we've got this novel changing. Change maker, yeah. Change maker. Yeah. In, in the sign of Scorpio, the sign of transformation, we're getting the moon and the sun. So like your ego and your like your heart kind of vibe. It's how, at least how I summarize okay, the moon. Okay, core, yeah. Yeah, you call it core would be your... The sun is like the core, moon, emotions, and unconscious. Well, that's what I meant by heart. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, Mars is there too, so I definitely I attribute Pisces more with the unconscious because I find everything that's going on there, people are just not quite aware of their their Pisces actions, their 12th yeah. house actions. So Moon, I think of being just kind of like, you're feely-feely. And Sun, I associate as ego just because everyone thinks they're their Sun sign and they think they're their ego. So of course they think they're their Sun sign. They're all 12 signs, but no, the one the Sun's <laughs> in, the one they think is them. And so again, very salty. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting because it can get very simplistic if you only just focus on just what the sun sign is. I know I lived with a bunch of artists in San Francisco years ago, and at one point we realized that we were all expressing archetypes from Winnie the Pooh. And so they all wanted me, of course, they're like, of course, you being a shrimpy, you're, you're a piglet. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, no, uh, I didn't want to be piglet. <laughs> you're far more of rabbit. Oh, well, you know, I could be, but I was like, this is kind of a system. Maybe I do have piglet rising. But I oh, think agreed, I agreed. have you're, like, you've got a rabbit and a piglet as well. Yeah, and, and I you've got some poo. For sure, I definitely have like Venus and Rue because my love life is often very infantile. <laughs> Venus and Rue. <laughs> yeah, so you know it, we had to evolve the Winnie the Pooh system to uh, include more complexities because humans are not just one way. When my kids were growing up, we had one we said where, "What is your ranking of the Ninja Turtles?" And that is its own form of self-identity. Uh -huh. But these are all like ways of like internally scoping. And astrology is more of like just taking a map of what actually happened and documenting the actual occurrence physically somehow. Yeah. And that's why I really prefer astrology in hindsight. So to finish off what we were saying though. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a transition before the new moon. November 4th, we have Saturn goes stationary direct which means it's not going to be retrograde anymore. Then we have November 6th and 8th are kind of some sweet days that have some harmonies. Like Venus is going to be making a nice trine to Pluto. Yeah, I saw that coming. On November 6th. So our desires, we want to deepen them. Then Mercury is going to try Neptune on November 8th more spiritually oriented and then Venus also enters its home sign of Libra on November 8th. So there's a lot of transition. Mercury enters Sagittarius on November 9th but that brings us to the square here. Uh, who's squaring? Mercury is squaring Saturn at the new moon. Mercury is squaring Saturn so we got communication is kind of coming at odds with the teacher, the hard lessons. Yeah, it's a little bit of testing. You have these great ideas and then you're like, uh, but. <laughs> what sign is Mercury in? In Sagittarius. Okay, so, so it's probably gonna be blurting things out left and right. It might blurt. 
Yeah. And there might be a lot of blurting that's going a, on. That's a mutable fire sign, if I'm not mistaken. Meaning yes. it's going to be kind of like a fire that's all kind of wishy-wishy in any direction. Shooting its arrows off like a maniac, Sagittarius be doing. Yeah, and yet Saturn is all like, uh, not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Saturn, Saturn is definitely the disciplinarian. And what sign is Saturn in Saturn going is, direct in? Saturn is actually in Pisces. Saturn stays in a sign for about two and a half years. And oh, man. It's, it went into Pisces like about a year and something ago. And then it went so retrograde. So now it's back at the beginning whoa, of Pisces. Oh, it's going to start all over all again. All over again. You get to go through territory you've been through, but hopefully better. So it's, yeah. Probably another year and a half of Saturn going through Pisces, and uh, but it's in the early degrees right now, and will be at zero degrees to 35 minutes on November 13th. So tell me, what's your uh, Scorpio in your chart? What house is that going to get you uh, on 22 it's degrees? It's second house, and the Uranus and Jupiter have been going through the eighth house. Okay, so you're going to be getting a second versus eighth house dichotomy of transformation. Yeah. <laughs> and so your stuff is going to be in a transformative state and then the unspeakable. God, what a, what a foreboding thing to tell people. I know, it's already been that way. So, you know, oh the finances God. and the helping with the partner's resources and such. The eighth house to me is the house of like the unspeakable because it's it rules things that are like death, sex, money, and power. And anyone who's talking about those things like they know are probably kind of like, you know, making it up as they go along. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen to either of us. Thank God. I don't want to even try to predict it. But. <laughs> Um, okay. I think this is a really good uh, beginning for Salty Astrology, though. <laughs> yeah, you know. Thanks for, for going on a walk with me, Trish. Yeah, I appreciate your inquisitive nature and your saltiness. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for our walk, everyone. I'm Isaac Bluefoot. I'm Trish the Dish, also known as Trisha Real. And uh, stay salty. Yeah.